the written word of the living God. The Father's love letter to his people. All of it was spirit-breathed. Through it, he wants to reveal his love for you. Will you seek him? Will you come to him just as you are and let him speak life over you? All right, we are going to pick up our study, 40 Days in the Word, and we do have some Bibles available. Uh, I, I can't remember if the gals were mentioning this in the, the video earlier, but we've kind of changed things up just a little bit. We've separated our life together, which we're now calling What's Happening, uh, and it is at all the doors out there. These are the events that are happening at North Shore kind of in the coming month, and you can pick those up. Uh, they stay the same for several weeks, so we separated them, but you should have received some uh, notes like this on the way in. And uh, if you didn't, uh, I think these guys try to make those available as well if you need them. So we're going to be walking through this. We're off and running. I hope you're one of the hundreds that have joined a group and are walking through the next 40 days with us uh, through the Word of God and learning how to study it, how to apply it to our lives, how to live it out. And uh, I've said this out loud several times, but... I really believe this is going to be one of the defining moments in the life of our congregation because nothing will change your life more than getting into the Word of God. Do you agree with that? There's nothing that can change your, your, uh, your habits, your behaviors, your character, your attitude. All these things are going to be impacted when we begin uh, to get in, into the Word of God. Last week, we established uh, in the first week the, the case that the Bible is in fact God's word. It is God breathed. And we explained that and we gave a, a lot of background and a lot of uh, substance, a lot of actually evidence uh, of why uh, our Bibles is, is the word of God. So uh, one of the things that we are doing through this series is committing scripture to memory. Now I gave you a forewarning. I was going to test you. Now I'm not, I should say, how many of you committed the scripture last week to memory? And I should take a show of hands, but I'm not going to embarrass you that way. But let's, let's say it out loud. You remember it was Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. All right, you good with that? Now what we're going to do each week, we're going to probably review, and then so in three or four weeks from now, we're going to probably do four, four or five scriptures back to back. So if you haven't started that, we encourage you to do so. You know, the Bible's a unique book. Uh, it's why we call it holy. When we say the holy Bible, holy simply means it's different. It's distinct from, from other things. When something is holy, it means it's sacred, it's set apart. That's literally what that word means, it's set apart. We saw all the reasons uh, for that last week, but when, when I stop and I think about it, I, I can make a broad statement with bold confidence, and that is that the Word of God is the most powerful thing in the universe. Now, why would we say that? How could we say that? Well, Psalm 33 uh, points out 
that the Lord spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed and the stars were born. Now think about that a moment. It's the most powerful thing in the universe because by the word of God, the universe came into being. Everything that we are, everything that we see. Colossians goes on to say it's by that word that it's all held together. If the word of God was not there, if it was not present, everything would just go back to chaos. It just, it would explode. But it is God who brought this all into being. Now some people use the word big bang, you know, to describe that. I'm, not, I'm okay with that. But you know, behind the big bang, there's a big banger, isn't there? Huh? There is something behind the big bang and that is the Lord God and that is the word uh, of God that brought all this uh, together. So as we see, he spoke light and light came into existence. And that's pretty powerful. But the one that really kind of, you know, uh, uh, impacts us more than anything else is the fact that he speaks life into our hearts, into our lives. He speaks life. If you have your notes out, the, the scripture at the top there says John, in John, three, six, uh, John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. There's something about the word of God that prompts a life. Remember when Jesus uh, saw Lazarus in the grave? He'd been there several days. And he spoke the word and he came back to life. It was through the word of Christ that that life was given. Now there's another scripture I put there because this one really kind of gets to the heart of where we're at today. Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse 12. And he says, for the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and a marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He's saying this, this Bible that we read, friends, is not just a book, it's not just poetry, it's not just history that we, we go to, it is something that is alive, it is active, there is something special about it. And it has the ability to get down to a place that nothing else can. This is what he's saying in that verse. Between the marrow and the bone, I mean, be, between the soul and the spirit. It's the only thing that can get to that place, and therefore, it's the only thing really that can change us completely and thoroughly. Uh, it's the word that's going to point out things about us that we don't even know about ourselves. When we're doing something wrong, it's the one that brings that to our attention. But it doesn't just do that. It will take us to a place um, where it can correct that. And... Uh, and that's, that's what our subject is today. That's what the word does to change us. And there's nothing that can change us quite like the word of God. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things in my life that still need changing. Now there was a dramatic change, you know, some 40 years ago in, in my life, but ever since then the word of God has continued that work. And he takes me to places where I see things that only the word of God uh, could reveal. And so today, uh, you know, when we, when we kind of compare what the Bible does, the purpose of the word in our lives, some people think, oh, well, it's just about gaining knowledge, maybe knowledge about God. Remember the words of D.L. Mui said, the Bible is not about knowledge, it's about changing our lives. It's about transformation. 
So what we're going to do today, we are going to walk through uh, a number of ways in which that happens. We're going to walk through it kind of rapidly, kind of like last week. We're going to look at seven ways of which the Word of God can change our lives. And then at the end, kind of talk about how do we apply this uh, to our lives, okay? So if you have your notes handy, let's go through those uh, this morning. The first thing is, is the Word of God is what recreates our life. It recreates our life. Now what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that when you come in with all your hurts and your hangups and all the stuff that you're going on and you bring them to the Lord, he doesn't just kind of patch them up and then send you on your way. Then just put a Band-Aid on it, you know, and say, okay, well, come back to me again and again. He says, no, I'm going to give you a brand new life. He recreates our life. He gives us a new start. He gives us a new beginning. And in fact, there's a word that most of us have probably heard before. It's the word born again. You ever heard that? You are born again. And that word was not just used uh, between Jesus and Nicodemus there in the late night. You know, he said, you must be born again. But the apostles took that and they reaffirmed that even in some of their subsequent writings. Look at Peter, chapter 1, verse 23. He says, since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. It is that word that quickens us to life and it recreates, um, you know, who we are. One, another word that's often used is regeneration. James uh, 1.18, don't have a lot of these written out for you, but you can maybe mark that reference in the side, James 1.18. It simply says, he chose to give birth through the word of truth. So friends, if you don't have the Word of God, if that's not something you know, that's a, a reality, there, is, there isn't going to be any salvation. There isn't going to be the heaven or the eternal life that, that we look forward to. It all rests upon that. It is through His Word that He brings us uh, to that place of, of uh, renewal. So um, Jesus, you know, it's, as He spoke about this, you know, again with Nicodemus, and he's saying, unless you do this, you can't, even, you can't even see heaven. You must be born again in order for that to happen. And then Peter's affirming this again, and he's likening it to a seed. He says it's not a perishable seed, it is an imperishable one. And notice these words, it is living and the abiding word of God. One of the versions says the enduring word of God. So there's that word again, it's alive, it is active, and it's doing something in us. That's where it starts. And can I just say before we go to this point, if you have never trusted Christ uh, for your salvation, if you've never been brought to that, that, that decision point of recognizing that you have gone this direction and there's a repentance, which simply means you're turning from the direction of following your own flesh, your own life, your own way, and you're turning them about face to go back toward God. That's repentance. The Bible says as we repent and come to Him and confess him, that's when we begin to experience the salvation that he offers. That's when this new life will be yours. Have you, have you done that? Do you experience that? Is it something you just know about, or is this something that you know personally because it's now on the inside? That's how we become in Christ, what it talks about. So I encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, man, that's what we're here for. We want to come alongside of you in any way that we can to encourage you 
uh, to do just that, okay? So the first thing it does is it recreates our life. Now, when that happens, here's the second thing. These kind of build on, these first ones build on each other. It washes away my guilt. This is one of the first experiences that you're tangibly going to have when the word of God has quickened you to the life that he's called you to. You're gonna notice that the the regrets and the shame and the guilt that sometimes we live with, they're gonna be washed away. And that's a huge thing, would you not agree? That is a big thing. I walk through the path with so many people who they're looking in the rear view mirror and there are things that they've done, the, the things that they've experienced, and they've just, they've been stuck there. Never can get beyond it. And one of the most powerful promises in the scripture, 1 John 1, 9, he says, listen, if you will just confess your sins to the Lord, which means say it out loud, come into agreement with what he says about you, that's what confession is, coming out of hiding. If you will confess those, God is faithful and he will forgive you of those sins. And then he says this, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I love that word. Sometimes I've shared with you the night that I uh, met Christ back in uh, 1973, a few days after high school. I didn't know how to describe it. I, I didn't know the words to use. I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything in the Bible whatsoever, but I remember using the, the idea, I said, uh, just to explain what happened, I said it felt like somebody unscrewed a cap on my head and flushed out every wrong thing that I had ever done. That's the only way I knew how to describe it. It was literal, it felt that way. And then he, he came in, made his home in my heart, and he's been there ever since. Never a doubt, never a doubt. And, uh, and so it's exciting to be able to declare the word of God when he comes. It's like a cleansing that happens. I wanted you to see this passage from Ephesians. And we've taught on this before, but I I think many of us can relate to this because he he is using the analogy of Christ and the church to relate to some instruction to husbands and wives. And he's saying, you know, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, okay? And there's an interesting part here that sometimes might just kind of skip by us. By the way, this is a, the verse that precedes this is, is uh, you know, wives, submit yourself to your husband. I've always said that's the one that men know the best. That's the one verse you've memorized. You say, oh, I can't memorize scripture. You got that one down, right? But the more uh, challenging charge is to the husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and laid himself down for her. But then he adds this part, he says, purifying her or sanctifying her by the washing of water through the word. And I remember years ago, just kind of getting stuck on that, saying, what is he talking about there? And I I begin to suspect what he's describing there, and those of you that are married know this. I hope you've seen this on the positive side, but you could probably also you know, look at the negative side, that the words that a husband speaks to his wife have a a literal effect of of like purifying or washing her heart. When you say that you love, uh, I love you, or I cherish you, or I would lay my life down for you, I'm telling you there's just something in the heart that would just open up. It's like a flower that's just opening up to that kind of love, that kind of expression. Paul understands this, and he's saying that is the same thing that Christ does 
to the church, to his bride. You are his bride. And I tell you, if you want to get just really practical, when we come together just like this and we're hearing his words and I'm speaking these words on behalf of Christ, there is something going on literally right now in your heart of a washing nature. And I imagine you could testify to this, that when you come together, it's one of the reasons, friends, why it's important that we physically come together like this and hear the word of God and express our worship. And if you, if you don't prioritize that, let's say you go two weeks or three weeks or longer without this experience right now, you will find out, it's subtle, but you'll find out that the, the world is gonna start sticking to you. It's like a residual, it's just to kind of stick to your heart and it gets kind of gummy. And you think, well, why don't I hear God's voice more clearly? Why, why, why am I not feeling, you know, like, like I'm just right there uh, in relationship or as close as I, I should? Sometimes it's because you haven't gone through that cleansing or that washing. When we speak the word, you watch. When you, when you go out today, that there's just something, your walk is going to be a little lighter, your heart's going to f- just feel a little, a little cleaner, and it's as a result of hearing his words. They have a washing effect over us, over the things that we've done, over the things the world has thrown at us. That's what it looks like. And I think it's why Paul reminded them of this. That's the word of God at work. Okay? It's what it has the power to do. I hope that there is nothing in your life today that, that are of the, the res, re, resentment or the bitterness or, or the hurts, maybe that you've done, maybe that you have caused but also those that, that you have received and been hung up with and, and, and you're stuck there. Let the word of God cleanse you of that. It has the power to do that if we'll let him, okay? Here's the third one. The word of God activates our faith. It activates our faith. So now we're starting on the path and this is a, a life of faith. We know that nothing pleases God more than faith and it is the word that activates that. Listen to what Romans 10 says. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, how does it work? Um, here, this is just the realities that I, I have experienced. I, I can read my Bible virtually every day and I can read it and there are words and there's information and there's knowledge and there's understanding that's going to come. But there are moments and I'm not going to say that they happen 100% of the time, but there are moments when you're reading the Word and it literally just jumps off the page at you. You know what I'm describing? There, there are these moments where it literally does, it's as if it becomes alive. And it is, it is God's Word to you in that moment. Now that happens uh, quite frequently at various levels. There was one, and I've, I've shared this before, but there is one that has stood out and I, I just relay to you as an example of, of what that looks like, uh, kind of in the bigger context. I came here about almost 15 years ago, and when I started here at North Shore, uh, the big challenge that we had was, was a, a large mortgage. Many of you know this. It was to the tune of $15 million. And, and I didn't find that out till about two weeks before I committed to coming here. And... Um, and I, I said, well, Lord, you know, you're, you're the one calling, and I believe that you're big enough to, to handle that. But man, when I got in, we started looking under the hood and started seeing these things. The, the, the challenge became greater and greater. And I thought, you know, it's time for the church to know about this. And it wasn't until July. I came in March, it was in July, 
that I preached a message one weekend in the middle of summer on David and Goliath. And I likened this, this debt, what it was, to Goliath. It was like a giant. And I'll never forget because the week after that, as I'm just talking to the Lord about and praying about what are we going to do, you know, what, God, what do you want to do about this? That the idea that it was more like a mountain than a giant. And I heard those words, you know, if you have faith, just as much as a, a grain of mustard seed, you know, that's the smallest seed. It's, a, it's amazing. You can't even hardly see it. It's like a grain of sand. He says that, if you just have that much faith, you can tell this mountain to go from here and over to there. And I thought, okay, all right. What does that look like? So all of a sudden, this, this thing became a mountain. A little later that week, when I was spending time in the Word and just listening to God, what He was saying, I was in the book of Isaiah, and I came across Isaiah 45, verse 2. And, and this is one of those moments that the Word just jumped off the page, and it said, I will go before you and level the mountain. And I thought, whoa. And I just got stuck there. I didn't even read what was after that, but I knew he was talking to me. Well, what was the context of the mountain? What was it all about? It was financial, wasn't it? The next verse says, I will show you the hidden treasures in secret places. And I thought, why would they say that in connection to this if God wasn't speaking directly to me? I'm going to show you the hidden treasures in secret places so that you will know that I am the Lord who summons you by name. Now, would you think maybe God was speaking to you through his word? I did. And, and I hung on to that. And that's one of the reasons why several weeks later, we moved into a, what we call a campaign to try to, to raise above and beyond to try to begin to reduce that debt. And we called it Moving Mountains at that time. But I got to tell you about one instance within that time because I didn't know where it was going to come from. I didn't know. I, I had no clue. I didn't know the congregation that well. I didn't know the resources. I wasn't the kind of the, the kind of person that goes and you know shakes you know folks or even tries to to figure that out. I don't look at the giving. I didn't know any of that. I get a call uh, from a brother and his wife, and he says, "Would you be willing to come over? We we had some things we want to share about this. We've been thinking about this." And when I went over to their house, they said, "We felt God uh, compelling us to give a million dollars to that debt retirement." I've never had that happen, by the way. <laughs> and they were faithful. Over the next three years, they gave exactly that, uh, three, three increments. And I, just, I remember distinctly thinking, God, this is an answer to your word. This is the faith that we believe you. But what, 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 where did the faith come from? It came from the living word back even in July that he was going to do that. That's how it works. It activates your faith. There's times, friends, when you come in here, maybe you've lost your job this week, or maybe your wife has left you, or your husband's left you, or maybe you've just found the news that, uh, that that tumor is malignant. I don't know what it is. God does, and you'll find that you'll come here, and, and maybe pastor will be speaking, and there'll be a word that is exactly for you in that moment to believe God has got this thing. Maybe we were quoting the verse that says, a bruised reed he will not break, you know, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And all of a sudden, boom, man, it comes alive. And you're thinking, God has got me. He's going to take care of this. That's what it looks like. That's how he activates the faith. But it's the word of God. It's alive, isn't it? And it has the power to change us in those moments. So 
Uh, I think that's pretty exciting. Here's a fourth one. It stimulates my growth. Um, it's the thing that kind of, kind of nudges me forward. It doesn't allow me to stay put or stay where I'm at, but it's always pushing me, stretching me to a growing experience. And in this case, I wanted to put the scripture there with Paul to the Ephesians. He said, um, he said to him as he, by the way, he planted the church there in Ephesus and then he was getting ready to leave and these were his parting words. He knew he wasn't gonna get to be there physically. So he tells him, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Now stop right there. Able to build you up. He's, that's another way of saying this is what's going to result in your growth. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to bring maturity. It's going to uh, make you complete. This is what the word of God has the power to do. Paul knew that. And that's why he spent several years there just instilling to them the word of God, the word of Christ, telling them the stories. You know, at that point, the New Testament really wasn't intact, and so they were all relying on the stories of Jesus. But they had the Old Testament and the old scriptures, and so they began to see uh, Christ in all of that. I, I wanted you to see something with me here because he not only says it has the power to build you up, he is going to give you the inheritance among all of those who are sanctified. And when I, when I think about growth and I think about what God has provided for us, I probably don't give as much attention to that word inheritance as it deserves. What is an inheritance? What is it? It's something that is kind of rightfully yours by your association within a certain family, right? By, by relationship of that family, that is passed down to you. And, um, you know... It can be a lot, it can be not a lot. I mean, most of us have experienced to one degree, uh, either getting ready to pass that on or of having received that. You know, if you were the child of a very wealthy person, for example, uh, you can put the name in there, fill in the blank, you know, Bill Gates or whatever, okay? Say you were their child, and all of a sudden it came time to, to read the will. If you didn't go to that reading of the will as, as a child, that would be a pretty dumb thing, right? to find out, okay, you know, what, is this, what is this all about? Friends, do you know that your Father in heaven is wealthier than anybody that you could name? <laughs> he has got the riches of the whole universe, and he is saying, you're my child, and everything I have, I am going to pass down to you. So don't you think it makes sense that we spend more time looking at what it is that, that he is saying, this is all yours? This is yours. This is what I've given to you. This is what Paul's describing here. And he's just saying, you know, that as you learn that, you're going to begin to discover the very things that God has given us uh, so that we can walk through this life and so that we can grow. It stimulates our growth, and it's going to come through his word. This, uh, this passage that we're glancing at right after that one, we talked about this last week, uh, 2 Timothy 3 all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. Okay? If you were in our study last week uh, in, your, in your group, and I hope, I hope you've gotten involved in a group. It's not too late. Um, as I said in the message, uh, the booklets are available. The workbooks are still available this week and our last weekend that we do make them available but talk to the guys out in the lobby and they can let you know uh, one that's close to you. 
But last week we went through kind of the teaching, and if you remember the teacher, Rick, was, was talking about that clause, so that. In here it just says that. But, but whenever you see so that, it's called a Hena clause. And it basically you want to pay attention to that because it's going to explain to you the purpose or the reason for the thing that has just re- preceded that. So as I mentioned last week, today we're talking about the purpose of the Word of God. We kind of in general saying it's to change your life, but literally saying the, the Word of God is breathed by God. It's inspired by God. It is His Word, and it is profitable, okay, for these things. So that, so here is the, here is the purpose of the Word of God. When he says that, the man of God can be complete equipped for every good work. He's saying, this is what I have given you so that you can walk through life fully, fully prepared, fully equipped, that you can be complete, that you can be mature, that you can grow up, if you will, all right? So here's what, and I'm looking at this, there's four things he mentions that that's gonna do. Do you see him there? There are four things. Walk through these and just, just kind, of, kind of implant over this the path of life. You know, if, if this is all given so you can walk through life this way, what is the first thing he mentions? Teaching, right? He's, he, he's saying you, you learn the word of God so that you can understand what that path looks like. If we don't understand it, if we don't know it, how could we ever walk in it? So we are taught this path that we're to go. Then the next word is reproof or rebuke. And so when we get off the path, the word of God's gonna let you know that. He's gonna detect when, you, when you're down in the ditch or, or when you've strayed away and he's going to identify that in our life. Okay, that's what the rebuking is. The third one is correcting. What does correcting do? It says, okay, here's the way back to the path. Here's how you get back on the course. And then the last one is training in righteousness. And the training is about staying the course. And so everything that he gives us, friends, through the word of God is so that he can stimulate our growth, that he can, he can uh, keep us on that right track, okay? Here's a fifth one. It illuminates my mind. It illuminates my mind. There are things that I see in the word of God that, that I couldn't see any any way else. I couldn't understand them if it was not for the Spirit uh, kind of bringing that word to me. Most of you know that Psalm 119 is a unique psalm. It's all about the Word of God. It's all about scriptures. It uses phrases like uh, God's precepts or God's laws or God's commands, uh, the scriptures. It uses all those phrases to describe basically the Word of God. It is, um, it is also, by the way, did you know the longest chapter in the Bible? They're, they're, it, it's, it's pretty lengthy. And I was just kind of going back over it and looking at a few of the scriptures that talk about this idea of illumination or light. Uh, one of them says that the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And I'll be at the front of the line on that, by the way. I am a simple person, very ordinary. And he says, he, what he's saying there is ordinary people see things that, that are extraordinary, those of us that think, oh, I could never figure that out. I never understand that. You get into the Word of God and you start seeing things that are just amazing and that you couldn't see them other way. Your, your perspective is just totally changed. And in that same spirit, the writer there, uh, assuming it's David, he says, I have more understanding than all of my teachers. 
There's a worldly smart and a worldly knowledge, but those that have spiritual knowledge through the Word of God, it seems to transcend even that which we were able to glean, you know, from those worldly teachers. You, you really do. You know, I stop and I think about the system today in our education, especially in our colleges, our secular colleges, and how there are professors that are there that literally are about undoing any, anything spiritual, and they think they've got all the answers. And I tell you, I, 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 I watch as, as um, uh, spiritual young men and women go into that environment, and it is a challenge today to come out of there with a faith. But there are some that are bold, and I tell you, it is the truth. These guys think they know, they think they've got all these answers, and yet when you know the Lord, you know the one who created it all. You're, you're, you're coming directly from the source. I don't think there's a place or space for arrogance, you know, about that, but yet the writer says, there's just this thing, I feel like I understand more than my teachers are there, because God has illuminated their mind. This last one, he says, and you're familiar with this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It illuminates your way. One little note there. You notice he says it's a lamp to my what? What is it? A lamp to my, are you there? Uh, a lamp to my feet. Do you notice he doesn't say that he's shining a flashlight out a mile away or 20 miles? He doesn't give you a lamp of what's way down the road it is a lamp to my feet. And I think what that tells me is he gives you enough light for the next step. Very rarely is he going to let you know it's going to happen way down the road. You wish he would. We cry out, oh, Lord, you know, what is going to happen? But the way he works is he'll give you enough light, probably for the day, maybe for the next day, and he's saying, this is the next step. This is the next step. He is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That's how it works. I, you know, some of you have been camping before, and it's just so dark, and you take your flashlight to go out into the woods, and, and, uh, and you know, you, you notice that you're not always shining way out here unless there's something rustling out there. Then you probably would, you know, be looking. But typically what you're doing is you're, you're keeping it pretty close to the steps because you don't want to stumble. And that's what the Word of God does. It illuminates uh, your way and the path that you're taking. Sixth one, it elevates my emotions. When we're down in the dumps and, uh, and, and we're just feeling, it's scripture called downcast. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. When we're discouraged, when we're feeling beat up, when we are depressed, when our mood is just, just kind of down here in the clouds, the, the word of God has a way of, in, of just bringing that back up and uplifting that. It says, he says, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And that's what happens. When we, get, um, when we just get really down and discouraged, the scripture has a way of lifting that up in, in a pretty powerful way. I love that word hope. I love that word hope. But friends, it's going to come as we learned this week in our groups, when we, when we meditate on the word, if you look for the word to do these things we're describing, and especially this one about lifting you up, and you're just glancing over it, you're just you know, checking it off or putting in time, or not going there at all, friends, don't expect that to happen. When you meditate, the implication is you're allowing it to saturate, you're allowing it to, to really sink into your heart. 
And this is one of the beauties about what we're doing right now because friends, many of us have never been taught how to do that. The instruction, if you were in your group this week, was so practical, wasn't it? Just about how to dig down deep and, and how to begin to spend the time there and just allow it to soak in. And when that happens, all of a sudden, then it begins to come alive and it will lift you out of, of that, uh, that hole that we might find ourselves in. And so it has the nature of doing that, okay? And then the last one, it unleashes my potential. It unleashes my potential. God created us with something in mind for us to, to carry out, uh, I think, for his purpose. And whether we find that or discover that or not, uh, God is the one that can reveal that to you because he's the one who has wired you up and created you for that. Only God knows what you and I are fully capable of. Really. And he begins to disclose that. I can just tell you, back when I was a kid, you know, nearing my, the end of my high school, I, goodness gracious, the, the road in front of me was a pretty bleak-looking road. And I would have never dreamed that the plan would unfold the way that it has unfolded. And words are powerful. God's word to you are so powerful and profound. And they will set that course, they will set that trajectory of your life, if you allow that. He will, he will reveal to you the full thing, that he, the full plan that he has for you. Those words are so powerful. I was thinking about this this week. There was a moment that really was kind of stuck in my memory. When I was getting ready to, Annette and I were leaving uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma, where I was a youth pastor, and I was getting prepared to take the first church as a lead pastor. And it, this was up here in Bellingham. And so we packed all of our life's belongings in a little rider truck, and uh, my, my two-year-old daughter, my oldest daughter now, uh, Abby, uh, was the only daughter then, but two years old. And we were driving this truck, and I could still picture Abby in the middle, you know, and Annette and I, and traveling across the south of the United States, and came up through California, stopped by, visited my folks, and then we stopped in Portland. And my friend, um, he was the best man at my wedding, and so we were, we were good friends. His name is Trevor. And when we, when I met, when we met with him, uh, just kind of hung out that, that evening, he made a statement that I never forgot. This, little, this church that I was going to in Bellingham was about 70 people, all right? And I'm just going to tell you, back in those days, uh, for a pastor, kind of your value system was built around how big your church was. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so you're, you're, you're hoping it'll grow, you're hoping they'll be responsive, you know, and you're hoping it'll be alive, all this. Well, it was about 70, and most of them, quite honestly, they were, they were older folks. There wasn't a whole lot of life in that congregation. And this 28-year-old with a two-year-old daughter was coming to be their new pastor. You got the picture? Trevor says these words. He says, you know what? That church will be running 200 people before you know it. And to me, the, the initial feeling was, oh, goodness gracious, there's no way. But those words, I kept hearing them over and over and over again. And I, I just believe God used that to kind of spark a faith and a belief. There's a phrase, a quote that I've used often here by Eric Hoffer. He says, however much we guard ourselves against it, we tend to shape ourselves in the image others have of us. It's not so much their example we follow as the echo of ourselves in their words, the reflection of ourselves in their eyes. And you know, those words, they, they were somebody else's reflection of, of who they thought I was. 
And you know what? It wasn't too long before we, we actually exceeded that. And we went beyond that. And, uh, and to see how God's using that ministry now is that we handed it off to, to kind of my, uh, my good friend, like a little brother, Bob Marvel. And, and now that church is like 2,500 people. I mean, it's, it's an amazing ministry up in Whatcom County. And I look back just in those moments how words can have such an impact. Some of you are here this morning and you're still hearing some words echoing and repeating in, in your mind. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. You know, I, I wish you weren't born. I mean, some, some absolutely atrocious words. And you have to consider the sources and the conditions and the context. But friends, those words, unfortunately, can set a course. And until God's word comes along and like we learned earlier, washes those away and replaces them, that you are a child of God. And your potential is vastly beyond what you could even begin to imagine. It's the word of God that's going to unleash that. You believe that? And I, I hope that you can receive it. I hope you can hear that. And I just, I just ask you today, is there anyone in the room that would not like to have this life of yours recreated by the Spirit and the Word of God? Is there anyone that doesn't want this guilt and shame washed away? Or your faith to be activated? <laughs> or your mind to be illuminated? Or your emotions to be uplifted or elevated? You know, is there anybody that doesn't want that? You wonder, how does that happen? How does he unleash my potential? Three things I want to leave you with, okay? This is the application. This is what has to happen. The first thing is we have to learn the Word of God. We have to go there and begin to allow it to speak to us. And the only way that can happen is first by exposing it to your, to your life and learn that Word. And what we're doing these weeks is helping you to do this for yourself so that you're not dependent upon somebody else necessarily to do it, but you can do it every day of your life. And we're going to train you and teach you and help you uh, to grow in that. Here's the second thing. We've got to accept it as the Word of God. Challenge last week, and I'll do it again. Have you placed God and His Word as the authority in your life? Is it truly the, the, the thing that calls the shots and determines your direction? Do you trust Him? that he is the one that has your best interest. Like Jeremiah said, I, I've got plans for you you can't even begin to understand, plans to prosper you, plans for you to grow and, and to, to succeed. Those are the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Says the Lord. So accept it, learn it, and then finally, act on it. Act on it. Uh, do what he says to do. And have a heart that brings it, before he makes it clear, have a heart that says, Lord, whatever you show me that I'm to do, that's what I will do. And so, as we continue down this path, we're going to pray. And I just trust that God's going to take his word even today. Uh, speak to your heart where, where he lives uh, there. And if, if you have never trusted him in that fashion, uh, even as we pray, we're going to close. We'll give you an opportunity for that. Here's the verse for next week, by the way. This is the one that I want you to commit to memory, that last verse in Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes. Next week we're going to be talking about this, more about this illumination 
And uh, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119, 18, okay? I'll test you next week, okay? And, uh, and, and hopefully we're going to continue to grow as a result of it. Why don't we stand together and I want to pray with you. Uh, our worship team is going to close us in a song, but uh, before they do, could we just bow our heads and hear what he's saying to us. And if there is an action point or uh, a response that he's calling you to today, I pray that you'll be obedient to that. Let's, let's pray. Lord, what a joy it is to come before you. Today, there just, there just is this sense that your, your life, your word is so vast. It is so amazing. It is so uh, complete. And there are a few of us here today that feel like we're just beginning to scratch the surface. We might even, even just feel a tinge of overwhelming by all that is there for us. I pray that you give us the courage today just to begin, to jump in, take the first step, the first step of obedience. For somebody here today, Lord, that first step might be to trust you for their salvation. I invite you to come into their life and and to recreate that life, to bring them a new life, not to patch up the old, but to bring them brand new life. And as we're just quiet in this moment, bowing our head, you know in your heart whether that is a, a reality for you or if you've experienced that. And if it's not, I, I guess I just lovingly would ask, why not? What would you be waiting for? What obstacles have been there that have precluded you from taking that step of faith? we may begin to discover that, that God's plan are not for your harm, but they are for your good. And you can begin to discover that fully. If you'll just say in your heart, Lord, here I am, and I lay my heart before you and ask you to forgive me of my sins. I am sorry for them. And I want to begin to live my life for you. Would you come in and make my heart your home forever? And I know, God, you'll, you'll respond to that request as all the requests that we're, we're lifting up to you right now for growth and for maturity and, and uh, just for discipline, uh, Lord, to take these steps that we're beginning to learn. So I just trust that your power would infuse us these days and, and that we will uh, put into practice what you've shown us. We're the only ones that can. It's going to be our response, Lord, that makes all the difference uh, regardless of what we're faced with these days. So... We love you and we thank you. We thank you for the great uh, things that you're doing and we look forward to those continuing and even growing uh, because we pray, of all, pray to all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If there's anything we can do afterwards, please let us know. We'll be available uh, hanging out afterwards. We can pray with you about anything, everything. Uh, but let's uh, use these words as kind of an affirmation of what we've learned even today. Okay?